we're starting to talk about your journey um, into Sikhi, what what kind of comes up for you and when we ask that kind of question? I think probably the role that my mum played in it. So my mum came to this country when she was around 12. Uh, and at that time, even, there, there wasn't so much Sikhi in Punjab that we see now. Uh, and coming here, she finds, you know, is with your grandmother. Um, she finds some Sangat uh, and some company of Gosiks where they would sing Shabbats together. And so from a young age, she kind of, you know, started writing these Shabbats down and, and reading them. Uh, and then as she kind of got cultured to that, you know, going to the Gurdwara, going in Sangat, the importance of Kirtan, that's probably how with myself and my sister, she brought us up to value those things. Um, so I think from a sort of young age, that had a massive part of it, going to the Godala and, and being in Sangat. Um, you know, we, we spoke, there were a few maybe key times that stick out for me. One one was, you know, an accident that we, we spoke about where, you know, I had a couple of times in my life that I think, how did I make it out of that? Um, you know, where I was thrown in the air by a car once. And I remember being in the ambulance. Um scene of my sisters crying and then being in the hospital and just kind of gaining consciousness at the point where they're like telling my parents he's alive but we're not sure if he's got permanent brain damage uh, and I think back at that time and it's like at 11 or 12 it's kind of like life's either going to go one way or another now um, and I came out pretty much unscathed other than a bit my lip while I was flying through the air. <laughs> um, I went to the Gurdwara, so, you know, the Hukunama there was Maharaj talking, saying, the Sadhguru um, has saved you. And and I was going to the Gurdwara, and that for me was too real to ignore. Um, mm-hmm. I think after that, just, you know, I'd always gone to India as a young age, so I'd always seen that side of Sikhi, of how it is in Punjab, whether that it was places like Rada Sahib or Nanak Sahib. I mean, I've spent a lot of time with Nanak Singhs and I've seen the magic that all of these places do in the world um, and and Sikhs do even now today and that's all the blessings of the Guru. Um, and that's probably for me, like, it's just then you've experienced going to India, going on these trips going to these asthans, like you realize that the Guru and the Guru Sikhi is living and it's just wanting to be part of that. Was there ever a point where, so for example, with myself, I was brought up um, within the Namadari family and there came a point where I wanted to explore the other side of love life because it was right in front of me at school and teenage years and things. Did you ever, you, you mentioned the kind of crossroads um, and I just wonder whether you ever there was ever a part of you that was like actually I, I'm I'm not gonna follow this path or I'm I'm feeling like I want to rebel I, a little bit. Or... I I think so. And if I'm honest, I think that can come at any point in life. Like you know, sometimes we think of that rebellion as a teenager. Like you know, even as we go later on in life and different experiences, like life triggers can take us different ways. So I think if we've we've got secure, we should never take it for granted. And, you know, where we do see it, take it granted, we, um, you know, we see a different outcome in people's lives. So I think at any point you can, for me, as I said, I was lucky at that age, maybe around, I think I was 11 when I took Amrit. So you've kind of picked your path. <laughs> you you realise, okay, there's certain things I'm not going to do and there's certain things that I'm going to try and do. Yeah. Uh, and if I'm honest, that probably saved me a lot. So, you know, I know sometimes people ask about, you know, what age is too young to take on with? Knowing at the age of sort of 10, 11, this is what you're going to do, this is what you're not going to do. It gives you a framework to navigate that time. You're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You're going to make loads of mistakes. Mm-hmm. There's a learning time. But you've at least got a framework that you can kind of go back to to kind of give you a defining version of what kind of person you want to be. Uh, and that was really important to have. And I think... Anytime I've fallen, I've only had to kind of come back to that sort of understanding mm. of, you know, what does Maharaj say about the mind, about the ego, about the panjajor, about the purpose of the less life, our karam. And then just start trying to connect with living it again. Yeah. 
whether that's going to the Godda every day or trying to get up at Amadela or trying to do Simran or, or going to Sangat. And I realized through that that you know you get those times when you, you fall or you hit the ground or you're gonna slide. Sangat's probably the most important thing in that. Yeah. that if you've got a Sangat or a Gurukar or somewhere you can go to where you're always gonna have that connection. Um like you're always gonna have that net when you fall. So you mentioned um, like when when you've had those kind of down points, some of the things that have helped you is understanding the mind and the ego and, and all of that. So could you explain a little bit more about what your understanding of that is and how it helped you? So I try to look at things from the perspective of Gurbani um, in the sense that in taking Guru Sahib to be um, my Guru, I, I, I'm taking their teachings so... I try to always understand different approaches to things, you know, whether that's the psychology or whether that's the mind. And I would say those things have definitely enriched my understanding. But it's what Gurbani says specifically that for me is what I'm I'm trying to practice. And that's taking accountability and recognizing your mind in its totality. And, you know, a painful lesson has been, you know, in Sikhi where we practice a religion, we have this image of religion being holy. Um, but actually, it's actually trying to tell you to be whole. Mm-hmm. It, it's telling you that there are so many parts of you that if you recognize and you integrate and you you align with the teachings of the Guru, will enlighten you to the true form and, and that of the Guru inside. Mm-hmm. I think that's really insightful because... Sometimes we, and I can talk from personal experience, that we practice the religion and we try and practice those elements that we're taught to. So I've shared my story in terms of doing Girtan for a long time and being brought up, um, doing part and all of those things. But that feeling of wholeness was something that escaped me for a very long time. And so how is it that you've, but what does Sikhi mean to you? Everybody's got their own understanding how is it that the, the perspective you have on Sikhi has take? Do you feel has it taken you towards a feeling of a wholeness? I think it has, and I think one of the things that I, I try to do um, is, you know, reading history, reading old philosophy, reading these things because I think our minds, for such a long time now, have come climatized to viewing the world in a certain type of way, which isn't necessarily aligned to how Maharaj or the enlightened beings from um, the, our tradition saw the world. And I think when you start to look at that, Benji, you realize that the whole purpose of this life is to see God. The whole purpose of this life is to see God. And Guru for me then took, you know, a that, living understanding of doing Maharaja Seva daily, having your Guru present, and then through your day trying to, you know, the Guru is take has taken that form of Gurbani just simply by having that Gurbani within us, repeating it on our lips, embedded in our mind. And you feel that sense of connection. And the whole idea of Guru from the ancient culture in which Sikhi came from is that the Guru is the one that will take you to your liberation. You know, we look at the word origins of the word Guru from darkness to light. It's very simple meaning. Mm-hmm. And the darkness of, of that ignorance which the mind is filled with when it doesn't know its form and, and the light just being knowledge. But they come together, Guru and Ru. <laughs> Is one, mm-hmm. um, and it then is integrating and accepting, because the same places you will find the understanding of guru, you will be told the discipline to have towards your guru. Mm-hmm. You know, in the Guru Gita, it says, "See your guru as the one who you can open yourself up to completely without being judged. Mm-hmm. See your guru as the one who is present." serve your guru through offerings of food you know this whole discipline of 
finding a guru and then doing seva of your guru is described as the highest form of spiritual practice going back millennium. And I think when you realize that understanding and the significance of Guru Nanak Dev Ji's coming in this earth and Guru Granth Sahib Ji's presence today, it's then difficult to ignore. <laughs> so what would you say, um, so like Benji said, that there's many people that I came into Sikhi uh, more recently than, you know, I wasn't brought up in that culture. But even for me, you know, sometimes it feels like, you know, what am I doing? It, sometimes it starts to feel like a ritual when you're doing your nithnim and you're doing your bhat. And a lot of people struggle with that. Um, and it doesn't seem to feel like it's gone down deeper um, the way people want it to. It doesn't feel like it's transforming their lives after that initial kind of high you get when you're blessed with Amrit and all of that. And then a lot of people start to struggle after that. What would you say to, to those people? How can they deepen that relationship? So I find often people, maybe at the beginning of their journey or at different life stages, they'll, they'll get this high mm -hmm. from Zikki. And, you know, I believe every Sikh, you know, and you, you hear it from families, they've all had a miracle in their own way yeah. where they know, you know, our Guru helped us there. Everyone has that little secret. But then it's choosing to then follow that Guru um, from that point. And then it's having faith. Faith. Faith is a beautiful thing. Faith is what will get you across that ocean because you don't you don't intelligence won't, you don't mind won't, you don't mind our own minds usually work more against us than they do for us, you know, they're out of control. But our faith then for a guru becomes that guide. Um and you know, I think faith in today's age is something that we we dismiss, but it's because we don't understand it. Mm -hmm. Faith is, you know, one of the greatest things that human have humans have to heal them. Faith and prayer. That even if you don't understand the significance of the meaning and you don't understand everything behind it, the act that you are simply getting up and reading every day, that this mother is earth, all people are one, mm -hmm. God's name alone is true, and waking up in the morning so we find peace. The very fact that you're just doing those things, even if they feel ritualistic, mm -hmm. that is just your feeling. But those things hold significance in themselves and your practice holds significance and weight just in doing. Mm -hmm. But of course, we have to be know what we're doing and be conscious. Mm -hmm. You know, if you read Gurbani, what is try and understand slowly what the meanings are, even if it's just one line a day. Mm -hmm. And then ask yourself. Am I following this? Mm -hmm. Am I living this? Am I applying this to my mind? If you're not, it's okay. But recognize it. Because you know where you are. You know you're on your journey and that your Guru is with you. And it, then, then it becomes less scary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's almost like it's kind of creating a map for yourself of, you know, you're, you're making that journey through Gurbani and if there's something, you know... Um, like Pankti comes out like Farida Bureda Bureda Palakar Gussama Nahadai Dehirogna Lagi Palle Sabkichpaya And a lot of people struggle with that because they're like, really, do I really, you know, that person who said that to me, do I really need to do their pala? How do I do that? And sometimes people find it difficult to to connect with that. I think we sometimes make it something is not. This is what I personally find mm -hmm. sometimes when I struggle with things. That if something doesn't make sense, what am I struggling with out of those two pangadiyah that I'm holding on to because I'm going to assume they make sense. Mm -hmm. And we have this idea of, look at Pala from a Sikh perspective. Forget, from to my mind, I'm forgetting what anyone else is saying. Like, for Guru Gobind Singh Ji, at one point, for Guru Nandev Ji, let's say, Pala meant serving the world mm. with um, food and langar and starting this tradition which flourishes today. On another side, Guru Gobind Singh Ji saw Pala as putting gold at the end of the arrow. Mm -hmm. That too was Pala. So humility is not um, in Sikhi a place um, of cowardice, or of a place of not recognizing. It is simply having the humility to be grounded from that place of still seeing God in someone. Mm -hmm. 
And it is through that practice of that Shabbat that we get to that place. We ourselves have to become, mm-hmm. not become, but maybe we understand it better when we ourselves are that person on that ground. Mm-hmm. When we are that Buddha, when we see that Buddha within ourselves. Mm-hmm. You've talked about <clears throat> seeing God and being able to see God in somebody else. What does that mean to you? Because it's something that comes um, up in Gurbani so much. So let's break it down maybe then. One level is to to have the Shabbat, to have the Gurbani, to have the understanding of is God in me? Okay, we, we can understand it at maybe level one, entry level. Level two, God is another person. Level three, what what is the role of God? God is the creator within themselves as Paramatma taking multiple forms as souls, the Atma. And playing the game of finite and realizing it's oneself. And just through the practice then of Simran, what is Simran? Simran is trying to recognize your true self. Again, if we refer back to the um, original teachings around Guru, it teaches that Guru is your true self. And Guru is Atma and Guru is pure consciousness. Pure consciousness being the, the, you know, the root of Nirankar, the one who has no form. The Ekin is very primal form. Uh, and then it's realizing that if that is Paramatma consciousness, then what are other people? <laughs> They're just vessels within which consciousness is enclosed. Mm. And then Everyone's got Panjajor in them. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to do something silly. Everyone's going to think they're the best. Everyone's going to get frustrated when things aren't going their way yeah. and show worse sides of themselves to each other. But we probably do the same without even realizing. So how do you bridge that gap between kind of reading Gurbani and understanding those concepts, knowing where you want to be and what Guru's telling you to be? Um, to actually embodying that. So a conversation Benji and I were having earlier was like, you know, we might repeat a thousand times mantu jod sarupaha apana mool pachan, but that doesn't mean you're going to recognize that divine light in you just by repeating so, it necessarily. Yeah. So if we look at Gurbani, let's look from Jab, the perspective of Jabji Sahib, where, you know, a teaching, one of the teachings being waking up in the morning and speaking to the divine with love. And then what comes afterwards, we have the Bordian dedicated to Sonia listening. Mm-hmm. And there's a vast description of all that comes just from doing that. So what does listening mean then? Mm-hmm. It means what you're saying to imprint it within yourself. You know, and, and this is sometimes the practice of Simran and the reason for repetition is we're imprinting it within ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and bring in visualization bring in imagination because you let it do other things anyway. Why not put it to use? If Gurbani is saying that there's a jod within you, why not visualize that? Mm-hmm. If Gurbani is saying that the Guru is in your heart, then why not visualize that? If Gurbani is saying that the breath coming into you is your Guru, then why not visualize that? Mm-hmm. And I think when you realize then that there's a layer of understanding to Gurbani, where practicing it means meditating upon it, implementing it, Um, I think that's very important because it opens up then the the spiritual layer without which nothing else makes sense. Because mm-hmm. it, it's within you, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. For as long as you're going to keep looking for it outside, you're not going to find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's got to be an experience for you to truly understand it. Not even necessarily. If we get caught up in the pursuit of experience or the necessity of an experience, we miss the beauty of what we are doing right now. And that is our sadhana, that is our kriya, that is our yoga. Mm-hmm. That is our recognizing that the purpose of this life is um, the purpose of this life is to get back to that one. Well, there's no reason we can't enjoy being on step six or seven as much as step 99. Mm-hmm. Like, enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm. And that's probably where humility is important. Because mm-hmm. as soon as you judge someone else, you, if you judge yourself by that same standard, you're fallen. We we go to God looking for humility. We look, go to God looking for forgiveness and compassion, and you know all of these things. Forgive our oversights and our failings, but we're meant to become like that. 
to other people. So there's a lot of people on on the Sikhi path who struggle with their mental health as well. Um, And although they probably have many fleeting moments or even more than that of faith and love and connection to Guru, um, it's there's there's a struggle, there's a disconnect between their experience of themselves, their reality, and I think similar to what you asked. But how how does somebody who's who's really struggling again? I, I guess it goes from the the knowing or the the being exposed to the Gurbani and the wisdom, and having more fleeting moments of that connection. To I think it's a really important question. I think sometimes it's important to recognize yourself. You know, for example, like you mentioned from a mental health perspective, but if I look at it even from, I, sometimes I don't know what's mental health, what's good, what's bad, what's average, yeah, what's where are we meant to be, what's mm-hmm. the sanity level, because are we not all insane in our own way? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. <laughs> but if we recognize ourselves that, you know what, this is a place in my mind where sometimes I'm destructive. This is a place in my mind where I'm sometimes uh, feel happier within myself or I can treat others best. If we recognize those the patterns that take us there, like we're meant to be fighting against our mind. Not against our mind, but we're meant to be like, we're meant to have the upper hand. Mm. You know, the mind's a servant, but it works against us in so many ways. What is the evidence that works against us? If we have memory as a function, more often than not, does it take us to the good ones or the bad ones? Mm. That can't be good for us. That can't be how the mind is programmed to work. What about if we have imagination? Do we go to the future and look at the, oh, this could be possible if I work hard and do everything I can to achieve it, or I'll never be able to do that. Or, well, you know, we, we put ourselves down. Mm-hmm. And that tells us that some things in there are not working right. So there's something about introspection, isn't yes. there? There's something about observing yourself as separate from the mind. Yes. And being able to see the workings and not identifying with any one yes. part of the mind, right? So that that's kind of what Gurbani tells us, Sana, that um, you know that that we are that that divine light, that the mind is that form, and there are other players within that within the game, within the body, that are also voices and seem very real and bring thoughts, but those are not necessarily true and not going to take you towards your best self. So, uh, so that's helpful because then you've got the introspect. So, so we've got to start practicing that. And and any tips on how do we start to detach ourselves? Apply non-judgment. Mm-hmm. Do it to yourself. Mm-hmm. The first thing we do when we see those things is either what do we do? We react maybe. Mm-hmm. If we move beyond the level of reacting and looking to observe, what do we do? We judge. We put ourselves down. Why do we need to put ourselves down? Yeah. There's plenty of people, events and situations waiting to encounter you that will put you down. You don't need to put yourself down. Mm. Accept yourself. So let's say there's somebody listening and they're struggling with very lustful thoughts a lot of the time or um, a lot of angry thoughts, resentful. How can they they look at that differently or speak to themselves or relate to themselves in a way that's helpful? So, you know, if we work with that understanding of Guru being the self, and then what is the self? The Guru is an avenue, Gurbani, Vaiguru Nam Jahaj hai. The name of Vaiguru is the ship, the vessel. So realize that you are not those thoughts. Mm. You are not even that part of you that those thoughts generate from. You are something very different to that altogether. Mm. But the intensity of those things and the pull of those things has got such a grip on your mind, yeah. you need to come away. If you think, yeah, it's not like a leak that you just fix those problems, and it goes, no. That is just there. For whatever reason it is, it is just there. Whatever layer of complexity you want to go into, you just have to accept these things are there. And it's the Guru that gives you these understandings. It is the Guru that gives you the opportunity to come to your Guru, your worst, and say, I am filled with lust. Mm. I am filled with anger. Mm. I am filled with hatred. But with your grace, like, may I be purified. Mm. If you come to someone else and say those things, they'll say, go away. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to know you. There's something about that sincerity that you have to come to that relationship with the Guru with, that openness, 
that kind of um, surrender and authenticity, which you're right. Who who on this planet, friend, you know, best friend or foe, is going to meet you with the the non judgmental um, love, compassion that you need in order to feel safe to be able to share that with? And we talk about um, you know. To, speaking to counsellors and, and and that that's kind of a form of the non-judgment yeah. because counsellors are trained mm -hmm. to be non-judgmental but then the power of the, the guru is that, that it's not just training it's mm -hmm. their personification of non-judgment mm -hmm. and, and e even, yeah. even counselling if we look at it from you know now we have all these distinctions between different practices that people do yeah. in a previous age these things were just simply known as healing mm -hmm. yeah and of all forms of healing, what do they try and do? They just try to bring a person to a sense of alignment within themselves and totality, whether that be in a muscular state or a mental state, yeah. through whatever practice or ritual mm -hmm. they do. And yeah. so it's just, yeah. I think the key is that that person has to be in alignment themselves in order to... In, and we were talking yeah. about this. Because yeah. so, it's... Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's a conversation we were having earlier about, you know, when you're working with people and sometimes it might feel frustrating or you don't know what to do or how to direct them but the conversation Benji was saying was actually you need to be in alignment yourself you need to be totally present with that person hold that space for that person and the healing happens automatically because when you're in presence what is it that you're in the presence of and that's you know bringing in Vaiguru that's bringing in the divine to that relationship there and for me you know that also almost becomes a reflection so we, you know, we we were talking about love with Valentine's Day and all of that, and it's like for me that experience of love when you know when I met my husband and all of that. But it was like what what was what was truly happening there, and it was someone was accepting me, and I was seeing the reflection of that acceptance within myself, and that's what it wasn't actually about the other person. It was that I could see a reflection of me through that person. And I feel like, you know, that's kind of, it's that relationship between the counselor or the therapist or the healer. But also, you know, that's when we're reading Gurbani, when we're sitting mm -hmm. in Simran, when we're connecting to Guru, it's, we're looking for that reflection of ourselves. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a beautiful story. And, you know, what it actually reminds me of is, there's a story where one Baba Deep Singh was cleaning a um, bata, a sarvalo bata, and you clean it with sand. And he, they didn't realize that Guru Gobind Singh Ji had come over them and started watching over them. I was looking at what they were doing. And Maharaj saw that he was doing it over and over again. <laughs> he kept cleaning it. So Maharaj said to him, how do you know it's done? How do you know when it's done and you're just going to keep going? And he said, Maharaj, for as long as I can see your, my own face, I know it's not clean. When I start to see the reflection of your own face, I know I've done enough seva. Mm. So, you know, having that seva and knowing that if we go there and do it humbly like a nobody, quietly mm. like a worm with our heads down, we'll get cleaned and purified. Mm. Like that reflection that we see in someone else, that is the acceptance, that is non judgment. It is what we find in a guru. The difference in the love with guru is though, is the guru makes you in their form. Right. Your form doesn't exist, you become a gurmukh. Mm. You you take the guru's form, yeah. the guru's teachings. Because you're a Sikh of that Guru yeah. and the way a student would take to the traditions of their, their master. Yeah. We are part of that school. I wanted to kind of connect there. So you, you've been talking a lot about Seva as well and, you know, talking about this counselling relationship. What I kind of came to an understanding more recently is, you know, a lot of the time why we can't heal is because we're holding on to that identity. And, we, you know, we talk about Homme and ego as well. And, you know, we've got this this thing, this beautiful thing called seva, but a lot of us, and I can't say I do totally understand, you know, how to do that seva, but it's almost like when you're letting go of your own identity, you're letting go of your problems because as, as tightly as you're holding on to my health is bad or my mental health is bad, or, you know, this is what happened to me, that's going to stay your identity. But it's almost like through doing the seva, you're giving all of that up and, you know, that, that's kind of what washes that, that ego and that male away. Could you talk a little bit more about what is the deeper concept of Seva and Sikhi? So I think one comes to practice. So like 
you being a psychologist can understand the intricate depths, but from your discipline, you understand what's happening there. Mm -hmm. And maybe someone with some literacy can can follow. But a basic person, um, one of my friends told me recently, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go on with that simple mentality. And it was go to the Gurdwara. Every time you go, try and wash at least one panda, one dish. And and wash it and dry it as if you were washing Guru Nandev Ji's panda. So it's the humility with which you serve. So then what are you doing? Mm-hmm. When you go into the Gurdwara, you're serving a guru. Mm-hmm. When you serve anyone, what are you doing? You're doing a guru service. Mm-hmm. You'll be on a best contact. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that mentality of there, but one thing I did want to touch on is, you know, and I think this is the importance of maybe having this conversation and, you know, the work that Seek Your Mind and others do that, like counselling and the realm of healing there are a whole load of other disciplines out there there are disciplines that are untrained there are disciplines that if you open up with the person might not necessarily know how to counter their own bias ensure your environment is safe and that you're not going to do harm to yourself and then on the other one is there is whole traditions that can take you away from Sikhi and if someone finds their healing their peace and, and everything in that space that is one thing. But what I found personally is the healing that happens in your own, let's call it ancestral space, mm-hmm. in a way, or your spiritual space when you identify it, that is different. Just going on yatra to the house of a guru and seeing these for me is a form of healing mm-hmm. because I'm connecting with, you know, from generations where, where who I am as a physical and DNA and all of that level came from. And I think being able to bring the mental health and the Gurbani together is, you know, if people take to it and understand it and realize, okay, this mind is about trying to, this life is about trying to conquer the mind. Mm-hmm. And Zaki gives you the path to doing that. Yeah. It empowers you not to get over whatever you're struggling with in your yeah. mind, yeah. but to actually realize that your mind's not your true form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of people get stuck in what we call trauma, right? So it's almost like that Freudian thing of, you know, it's it's all my parents' fault, you know, this happened to me, this trauma happened to me, and it's almost, you know, I can't remember, I always forget the Bhakti, but it's like basically Maharaj is saying, like, what you focus on, you become, do you remember it? No. <laughs> um, and the more you focus on that kind of the trauma side of it or, or what happened and what's going on in your mind, it's almost like, you become more of that and it kind of brings you you down more and more. So there's a saying in Punjabi, it is that both a koda and a foda, <laughs> a horse or like a, call it a spot or an imperfection, that both of these, the more love you give them, the more they will grow. <laughs> so saying if you go to the horse and, you know, give it that mm. love, the more it will grow. If you do the same thing with a foda, <laughs> so with a trauma, the more we go into, the more it grows. Um, there's a shortcut that cuts out all of the mental intricacies along the way, and that's hukum. Right. The first thing that Mara says, you don't have to understand it all the way now, but just practice it. Not struggling, accepting, not trying to make sense of. One of our problems is we try to understand why, why, mm-hmm. why, why, what if, what if. Different eventualities. None of those eventualities are going to change what's happened. Mm-hmm. What's happened has happened. Mm-hmm. And just actually accepting that is there's no more resistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, your understanding of what you're looking for might not come to you until a long time in your life. But it doesn't have to be your defining struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And often when we look back at challenges we've had, you know, we will see how we changed or how we grew, um, you know, how, how and it makes us the person we are. If I look back and I think about, you know, times when I've struggled, pains that I've gone through, that's that's why I'm sitting here today. That's why I am the person that I am is because I went through that. One thing that I used to say was instead of asking why, ask what. What is what is it teaching me and what do I do, need to do from this teaching? What's my next step? Because the why is, is just going to keep you stuck, whereas the what is, okay, there's a lesson in this or even if there's not in a, les- a lesson in it, it's like, what am I going to take from it? How am I going to grow from it? How am I going to bring whatever this challenge is and turn it into my step that's going to take me to Jardikala? I think so. And I think even that 
चढ़ती क्लाफ भी लिखे वे दर्ड रेजनेट फ्रॉम रेजनेट फ्रॉम अ प्लेस ऑफ एब्सोलूट हार्डशिप रेजनेट अ प्लेस ऑफ ंगलोम that sense of it can bring about transformation mm. then yeah and it can then when it, when you realize that that was the trigger of your transformation yeah then it becomes easier to accept yeah. while we're struggling then yeah it's really hard yeah. yeah and sometimes you know that can be a tool it can be okay you're struggling right now you can't see what the transformation is but if if you wrote it down if you you know jumped forward in time what what, what would you say this this situation was here to teach you and sometimes that can help a little bit i guess i think so and to me that became part of the guru always being with me right where every single life challenge then becomes where, what is my guru want me to learn from mm-hmm. here what is my guru want me to learn from here and it was probably a bit insane but it was probably better than the so called sanity of my mind mm-hmm. because in some of the most difficult situations in life they make no sense if you think that okay my guru is with me i'm going to what's the worst thing that will happen mm-hmm. you'll come out of it looking for a lesson to have learned mm-hmm. a way in which you need to change yourself for a better person yeah that's the worst thing that will happen that you're looking for a learning mm-hmm. and i think it's really important because sometimes you know i mean we've talked about trauma but you know sometimes really bad things can happen to people and um you know that's where people then struggle even if they're coming on this path if they can't understand why has this happened especially if it's you know somebody vulnerable it's happened to a child or something like that how do you kind of reconcile that then i think <clears throat> as someone that talks about sikhi that's probably one of the most difficult questions mm-hmm. um because it is so horrific mm-hmm. and you can't really reconcile it mm-hmm. in a way you can't reconcile it and and make sense of it in any way that's going to really be palatable and easy to digest or even in an ability to explain it it certainly goes beyond my ability to explain mm-hmm. but from the point at which you start to accept it the struggle gets a bit easier mm-hmm. where you move your mind from a place of struggle to acceptance and as we spoke about hukum mm-hmm. so in that practice i think that helps but if something like that bad's happened in people's life that becomes for them their defining thing in life what defines them as a person so they're never going to be able to really get to a place of where they can disidentify themselves with it because was there mm-hmm. is then about how does it affect their mind is it going to go back to that place or is it going to learn this practice of acceptance and i think sikhi teaches not i think it teaches us to implement that path of acceptance in what we do mm-hmm. and when you start to realize that some of these things mm-hmm. how can we make sense of mm-hmm. how can we justify it and explain away we can't but we can see what comes from that path when we start to accept 
And, and Guru Sahib says, talks about repeatedly that this, this 3D reality, this world is an illusion actually. And that the truth of who we are and the truth of this reality is something other than what we know it to be. Um, and then perhaps when we start to have an experience of that, so, you know, we, we've talked about our experiences of, you know, we've, we've had various traumas between us and had certain beliefs about who we think we are, you know, certain labels that we've applied to ourselves, like I'm, I'm a not good enough person or I'm an insecure person or I'm not worthwhile and all of these kinds of labels that we attach to our identity. And then as we go on this spiritual path and, and the meditation especially, yeah. and we experience ourselves as, as not the body, and we start to disidentify from this this maya, this what we can see, what we perceive to be us, then we know then, we have the experience of know, that inner knowingness that we are greater than any of those labels, yes. any of those events that have happened to us. Yeah. Um, and if you let me ask either of you a question, whatever shape or form, because we've all experienced pain, mm -hmm. how did your yeah. pain help you on that journey? Yeah. To the, was your pain the driving force? Was it the thing that wouldn't let you stop? Was it the thing that led you to see cancers in the first place? Like that, that's that dokudaru. That's when you realize, hold on, that was the medicine yeah. put in me. Why? Because you accepted it as such. Yeah. There's plenty yeah. of other ways you could have struggled with it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. The acceptance happens later. Mm -hmm. Whilst you're struggling with it, it's painful yeah. and you can't see the lessons. But it's that pain that, again, I think w when you've got the benefit of um, the faith, in Guru, which is sometimes wavering, but it, it seems to come up at those deepest, darkest points where you have nobody left to turn to, yeah. where you cannot rely on this world anymore. Yeah. You feel like even those closest to you, you can't trust, or whatever it is that you that helps yeah. you to detach a little bit from this illusion um, that, that we believe to be true. It, it it forces you to search for the only tr you know the only truth that there really yeah. is. I feel it's like there's an intuitive knowing that, yeah. that the Atma, yeah. I guess, yeah. speaks. I mean, there's that saying like, yeah. it's about you know when when you can't go any any lower. Yeah. And I, I liken it to like a seed, right? Yeah. So that seed has to to break open for it to bloom. Yeah. Um, so you know, for me, you know, when I was hundred percent, what you're saying is the only reason that that i'm here and you know where i feel like i am is because of maharaj's goodbye because there was no sikhi in my life there was no spirituality in my life it was you know and and it's there was no blame involved it was just i was just getting on with you know what we're programmed to think about you know you get married you have kids you get a car you get a house you go on holidays and then it was only through my pain that i was actually able to take a, a step back but it was a painful journey mm. and and like you're saying benji you know I, I would wake up in the middle of the night in excruciating pain and even though my husband is lovely and the children are amazing my even my in-laws are amazing which you know people say is rare um they still couldn't help me in that moment in that moment when i was in the deepest pain they 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 couldn't do anything for me so the only place that I could go to that I could cry out to was you know guru and it was whatever my understanding of what guru was or what the universe was in that moment that was bringing me any solace and and it did start to and you said earlier about everybody's got their miracles and and you know all of those miracles were coming out of that and sometimes you have to kind of get to that point where the illusion has to break and it's painful for that illusion to mm -hmm. break just like you know a butterfly coming out of, you know, the cocoon, that's, that's a little bit painful. They have mm. to struggle through it. Um, and, and I think they were saying like, you know, if you, somebody once helped the cat, the, but, the butterfly out of the cocoon and the butterfly died because in order for it to get the blood flow into its wings, to get strong wings, it has to go through that struggle in order to, to become this butterfly. And in the same way, there's certain struggles. We don't know the reasons why we have to go through them in order to to come on this path and make that deeper connection and again you know this is the mindset series and and it's changing that mindset to why is this happening to me to this is happening for me and it might we were saying you know things might feel uncomfortable and they might feel painful but you know our kind of contemporary understanding is okay hide it bury it run away from it that if you're feeling discomfort or pain that, that you shouldn't be feeling that. Whereas actually my current understanding is actually 
that's where this stuff comes from is be okay with the discomfort, be okay with the pain and search beyond that. And then you'll mm. find, you'll find that, that kind of spiritual connection coming from that. I think so. And and for me, one of the things I think about in terms of spiritual connection, um, if we imagine a beach and that, that beach represents the entirety of the universe, our world wouldn't even be one whole grain of sand on that beach. Mm-hmm. And then what are we relative to this world? Mm-hmm. So when we talk about that self, like recognize the greater self as well, mm-hmm. which is the one that's manifested as the universe, because that's who we are as well. Mm-hmm. That's our, our, our big form, you know. Mm-hmm. That's that Paramatma, that Hari, mm-hmm. that Y Guru that takes form as Satguru, that is in every living being. That is immersed in every atom, mm-hmm. you know. And that's the importance of Simran and Barney. It reminds you of those things. So back to you know one of the very first things you asked is, what if you're not connected with it? Just that you're doing it mm-hmm. is amazing in itself. Mm-hmm. Like don't strive for that connection or experience. Strive to become whole within yourself, and strive to understand and then implement. Mm-hmm. Understanding and implementing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you you spoke earlier about going to India and and kind of having Sangat or various people. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? What were some of the kind of the key experiences that you had with with those people that have kind of fed into your understanding of Sikhi now? Um, I think one of the things that I'm lucky with is that I was able to see Sikhi from a lot of different perspectives, Um, whether that was growing up, going to Renswise, um, whether that was uh, Anani, uh, was uh, a believer in the teachings of Baba Nan Singh Ji, and seeing how, you know, to the end, she, for her, wasn't intent on not leaving this planet until Nandi Ji came themselves and seeing that faith. Right. Um, my grandfather on my side was illiterate, but had one Shabbat that she knew, and it was what um, the brother of San Sundar Singh Pindrawale had taught her. So realizing that, you know, a long, long time ago, these people used to travel mm-hmm. and just give people one Shabbat to do their whole life mm-hmm. in that teaching. And growing up in India, we would go to Rada Sahib. Um, and I think that was the first time I'd ever seen like a Mahapurk. And it, it was in the early 90s. So seeing a man dressed in, in like, filled over the guru, surrounded by people with shotguns because it was <laughs> a kind of that sort of time. Like those images have an impression on you, you know, as a young person. And then probably from the age of 12, 13, 14, in this country, then 15, 16, around Nahang Singh from that point onwards. And more so than anything, I think what that gave me was an ability to, you know, I spoke of reading history and trying to understand who we were. That gave me the ability to experience that in, in my way, what was an authentic experience of that to express myself and what is an authentic expression of that hence hence the kind of wearing of the barna um and that for me was probably where i found my healing mm-hmm. um recognizing that you know we, we spoke about connecting with the universe but actually if we just connect a few generations back and our families you know going out there and seeing that actually guru govind Singhji came in our area guru argovind Singhji came in our area that our families would have had Sikhi for Maharaj in those times. Mm. And then understanding, like, then, you know, what is a Sikh? Who am I? Like, it starts to give you a bit of perspective. Mm-hmm. That, you know, since the Gurus walked this earth, and those that they gave the teaching to, and those that have been inspired by them, that that's spreading. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, everyone's doing a good thing in a way. Mm-hmm. And when you start to think of, all the different ways in which people do the Guru's work, connecting people with the Guru through Barney, through Santhya, by living the historic ways of the Khalsa and maintaining them in this day, or serving Langar or building others, like, they're all doing the Guru's work. Mm-hmm. And, and I think India gives you a very visual experience of that when you see people who come to the Gurdwara because they haven't got any dust to go and eat, mm-hmm. haven't got money to go and buy food. It's a bit different to Langar in this country. Mm. Not that it has any less value, because of course the act of seva is it's the inner cleansing. Mm-hmm. But it's the, the reality of the impact on people's life. 
and I do think it's the future. I really do, because the teachings that it's trying to wake humanity to are, you can be of any religion. The one who made this world is Sanjabab, the father to everyone. But actually the way to live is by serving each other. The way to live is by waking up in the morning and meditating on the name of the one who made us all. Mm. It is universal. Mm. The teachings are. Mm. And the world will be a better place just with us. So I guess one of the reasons that we, we came together, part of it was understanding the Guru and and, and, and Vahiguru and our relationship with Vahiguru. And I think when we start to understand Guru, it then enlightens us a little bit to Vahiguru, that mm-hmm. house that we're trying to build. There's there's a few more lights on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we understand our Guru, our Gurbani, and, and how to live as Sikhs in a conscious way. Um, so the most important thing that Gurbani teaches us is Nam Simran. Yeah. And, and as much as we spoke about in every religion that they have their own name of the divine, in Sikhi, we have the Guru's mantra, Vahinguru. And meditating on the mantra of your Guru is always one of the most important ways of, of following your Guru because mantras are traditionally the way to liberation. And for us, we have the Vahinguru mantra. We know what Guru means. Vahi is wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful because there's almost nothing else to say about it. It's almost like the greatest form of Guru where we also recognize that our Guru is that God and that Guru Parameshwari Gaha Sabmaraya Samai. That that Guru and that God are one within us. And then we realize our true form. So we spoke about understanding Gurbani and, and using that Gurbani as meditative practices. So when we started to read Gurbani with our mindset and take shows like, Go to that place of pilgrimage, so that is Nam. And then Oliver Gurbani talks about Antargat Iratmalnav. Inside you, that place of pilgrimage. That place of pilgrimage becomes wherever we do Nam. So, one of the teachings that Baba Mitsingh Ji, who was a Mahapush from the Nagasang Sampradaya, gives through his students, is meditating on four points in the body. And Sant Baba Isha Singh and other Mahapurus, they, they speak of these as well. One being in navel. And the reason is that it is grounding, it is stabilizing. And that, you know, speaking of the mind, one of the problems is with our awareness is too much in the mind. So just simply pulling our awareness down slightly mm-hmm. will ease the tension in the mind. The other being the heart, the hirda. The hirda being the home of the Guru, where the Guru is hidden, where we try to awaken the Guru to. And we read of in Gurbani, this stage of the opening of the lotus, the kamal within the heart. So that is where we start to hear and read these things in Gurbani. You know, remember what I was saying about visualization? The other being the kant the throat from where you're going to say the name of Paramatma so we have a grounding basis mm-hmm. we have a heart cleaning the heart because what can happen sometimes in our heart is we build a wall around it mm-hmm. and it becomes difficult to find God yeah. God is behind that wall what we needed were boundaries but because we don't have them sometimes we build a wall so at least we have to find our way in to get to the Guru I can't from where we chant from and then finally the Trikuti. This is simply for awareness. And really, I think what most people would benefit from today if they're beginners to Simran. Because if you're already inducted into a way of doing Simran, keep going. <laughs> there are so many ways of taking that now. But whatever is working for you, go with it. So, But if you're someone that's new or maybe looking for ways to do Simran, and particularly around your mental health, and I think just being mindful of your navel, maybe one or two inches above your belly button, as you wahi, as you're going to say the name of the Guru. Yeah, the ha-ha, be mindful in your head, your heart. It will help with any emotion that you have there. 
your cunt. These things will help ground you in your own body, mm -hmm. if nothing else, because you're generating sound and connecting with where that sound is resounding in your own body as you see it. Okay. Yeah, across other mystical traditions as well. They talk about energy centers and the meditation, opening your heart and all those things. So, so kind of one of the things the ancient rishis did was, you know, where there was a tradition to go to the six to eight shrines of pilgrimage. Now that gets hard. Mm. But if you make those shrines of pilgrimage within yourself, within, yeah. then it becomes easier. Mm. So when Mara says, yeah. What they speak about is that <clears throat> eventually in each of those centers, you can't. The vibration of Nam will keep going. And what's known as a Jabba Jab, that it will be automatic. And it is once all those centers in our body are activated with Nam, the point of it, Sandbar Bhishis and says, then eventually it starts to project outwards through the room, where each room vibrates on the Nam. So again, maybe this is something where <clears throat> in, not, in this country so much having the understanding of the mysticism that mm. existed within these Sikhs from really ancient mm. orders, like we've maybe missed on some of this as well. Mm -hmm. So... Should we close our eyes? Yeah. Just just before you do that, I just wanted to clarify. So are you using each akkad at each point or do you focus on one point? So if you're able to do that, because that is one stage up essentially where you can say the vahi from your nevu, the haha from your guru, the haha from your hirda where your guru exists, the gagga from your kant and the ru from here, you can do that if you know how to do it. But one stage even down from that is just being aware. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes for a lot of people, the awareness is so stuck in their head that they're just not awareness of how, they don't have any awareness or grounding within their own body. Mm -hmm. What you'll find is once you do, it, it will naturally evolve. Because then when Mara says, Antar Gura Radhana, you'll think, mm -hmm. where? <laughs> in my heart. Mm -hmm. You know, it is about bringing in and then you bring in the mind. The mind's going to do its own thing anyway. Yeah. Why not bring it in? The faculty of the mind that listens, the faculty of the mind that focuses, the faculty of the mind that projects. The most basic thing then is just ground yourself in your body. Feel where the sound comes from. And actually, however you're sitting, be grounded like a tree. Wahi Guru. Wahi Guru, 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 Wahi Guru. and then listening that you hear it within yourself without the sound even needing to be generated because it is there it's a vibration in the universe that Guru Nandi Ji put out as he meditated on the mantra for eons as Guru Govind Singh Ji tells us our job is just to connect with it and we connect with our Guru Thank you so much Bhaji for joining us today it's been very insightful and inspiring
Please forgive any mistakes during our conversation today. And to see more episodes, please subscribe to the Mindset series to our channel and um, comment below on any topics that you'd like to hear us discuss for future episodes. Wai Guruji Ka Khalsa, Wai Guruji Ki Fateh.